you'll remain standing for our scripture passage this morning, which comes from the book of Luke, the 8th chapter, verses 26 through 39. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, They ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Notice that Jesus left Galilee. He left Galilee and went to the, the Gerasenes, and, uh, and that was Gentile territory. For you and I, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. Unless, you're a, unless you're a Jew, you know, uh, here today, and not saying that you can't be a Jew, uh, because you can be, but, but he left Galilee and went to the land of the Gentiles. That's where you run into this dude. Isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic that no, I promise you, I promise you, uh, because I have friends that are, that no self-respecting Jew is going to eat what? Pork. Pork. And what did the demons, Jesus sent them into what? Yeah, a bunch of piggies. And they run down and jumped into the water and drowned. How about that? Is that not pretty ironic? You never thought of it that way? I didn't either. It just popped in my head, and I thought I'd say something. I'm teasing. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Thank you for, for Cole, for his mama and his daddy, for the Clark family. Dear God, in their faithfulness to you, we pray as, as I proclaim your word or try to, that I get out of your way 
so that your people might hear a word from you. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Every one of us, men and women, young and old, doesn't matter, we all live with a legacy. Unfortunately, we can't select that legacy. It's something that those who have gone on before us have left to us. It's something we have to live with. By those who raised us and influenced our lives. Some of us live with a legacy and, uh, that has set us free and empowered us. Some of us live with a legacy that's more like us being bound in chains. And struggle as we might, we're unable to break those chains. I want to start this morning with a modern retelling of the Gerasene Demoniac. We find scriptures all through the Bible that comfort us, challenge us, and sometimes we find scriptures that we just simply have to wrestle with. Y'all know, any of y'all that's been through a Disciple One Bible study know what I'm talking about when I say, wrestle with it. Wrestle with it. Hey, you know, Jacob did. You know, and, and uh, hey, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't let the man of God or God uh, go until he blessed him. And he did finally bless him, but what happened? Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life, too. So, I want to start with a modern retelling of this. As I read these scriptures this week, I was reminded of how many people today are bound up in chains. How many people could use a bit of encouragement? See, you don't have to tell me how sorry I am. I know that. Help me get better. Help me get better. We all need to be encouraged a little bit. A pat on the back, or I'm there with you, or something. Think of all the families today that are in trouble. And most families are in, in trouble today because one or more of the parents are living broken lives. We're held captive by the chains. Or they are held captive by the chains of their past. So today we're going to look at broken lives and at broken chains. I truly believe, I truly believe when this church was built, and Carolyn, I couldn't tell if you said 75, 6, or 7 earlier. But ever when it was, I think maybe it's finished in 77. Some of you that was here, you, you, you know, and I don't. But uh, along that period, I do not believe that it was by accident that this church sat smack dab across from the high school or from the elementary school or from middle school. And we talk about, and we talk about what's going on in our community. And we talk, and we talk, and we talk. What a great opportunity that we have to do something about it. To be part of lives over here that need to hear a word of encouragement. To be mentored. To share the good news of Jesus Christ with these folks. Because I'm telling you, we can keep our blinders on and think they have somebody. We have a lot of kids that have nobody. But anyway, broken lives. Many families live that. The fact of the matter is there are people walking around today who are simply not wanted. If you don't believe that, go to our call people and ask them. 
John with DHS was here this morning in the early service, and, and he had never opened his mouth in church that I know of, and he said amen. What do y'all think about that? I about passed out. <laughs> it doesn't matter what these kids do or how they've acted. They're simply not wanted. There are people who will tell their children that they'll never amount to anything. I remember back, I grew up five and a half miles southeast of Paragol. You came out like you was going to uh, Missouri. You turned at 135 and came due south. Shugtown and Dixie and all that. Well, if you've gone to Shugtown, you, you've done past me because I was back at eight mile. But anyway, Mama would, would, would put money in a handkerchief. And for me to ride my bicycle across the street to Miss Overman's to get eggs. Now, that's, what, that's what I did. Well, I'd go over there, give Miss Overman that, that handkerchief, and uh, she'd get the eggs. Well, she had a grown son. I don't know. I was probably eight or ten, maybe. And, and he was, he had to be 50. But, but anyway, anyway, he would, he would say, boy, you're never going to amount to anything. Now, a lot of times I can't even remember where I live. Why would I remember that? It stung. It stung. I never told my mom and daddy. His name was Fat Overman. That was his name. That's, that's all I ever knew him by. Fat Overman. He would tell me that. Now, now, there's one thing that all of us have in common. That's this inherent need to be loved. Y'all understand what I'm saying? This yearning to be loved. Tell a child how proud that you are of him or her and see what happens. Versus tell them that they'll never amount to anything. As I grew up, I began to realize that something about Fat Overman. His life was broken. He lived a broken life. He was raised in an age, age when men didn't express much love. Y'all know that. Or they expressed, if they did express any love, it was by being faithful and providing for their families. Others have similar, similar stories. Broken lives surround us. The only thing is, you and I can't always see them. There's no badge or we don't wear a button that says, my life's broken. My life's broken. Most of us don't run around naked. I said most. Or live in a cemetery. But that doesn't mean that we're not living in chains. Or wandering amongst the tombs of our lives. Of our past. Alcoholism. Drug abuse. Sexual. Physical. Oral abuse. Divorce. Premature death. Bankruptcy due to the loss of a job. Male bashing. Even abandonment. All these are just a few. And I just jotted down a few things that popped in my mind. The, you can, the list can go on and on and on and on. Those are just a few of the chains that bind us. Many people don't call them demons today. We label most of our demons as mental or physical disabilities. But I believe that demons still abound. The Apostle Paul says and reminds us 
that it's not against flesh and blood that you and I struggle, but against powers and principalities of this present darkness. Anyway, demons of our past, the demons that keep us from being whole, the demons that bind us and keep us from being all that God has created us to be. Fear fits right in there, along with all that. These demons do the very same thing to us that Legion was doing to the garrison demoniac. They bind us to our past and fill us with self-destructive tendencies and behaviors. We act out of our lostness. We act out the pain that we feel. We think that we are the problem, and so we continue to hurt ourselves as we've always been hurt. <clears throat> In all my years of ministry, I've met countless men and women with stories like Fat Overman, stories like Garrison Demoniac, stories of broken lives. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that God wants to bring healing and wholeness to those broken lives. God wants to set us free from the captivity that we feel to our past. God wants to loose our bonds. God wants to remove the chains and set us free. That's the good news. That's what God wants for us. When I was in seminary, I stopped by a little cafe called Harry's there in the town that I was, lived. And I'd get me a fried egg sandwich with bacon on it. Everybody likes bacon, right? To take this out of a girl. There'd always be people there when I arrived at 5.30 in the morning. Let me tell you about a guy that I met there. Every town has one, especially small towns, Arkansas. The thing about the cafe, I could drop in at different times and meet different crowds of people. I could do more visiting at Harry's Cafe than I did basically the rest of the week. It's sort of like going to Walmart here. Now, you can go to Walmart, pick it just right, and I'm telling you, Methodist, Methodist. I don't know what that was, Methodist, Methodist, yeah, on, on, on around. I met a man whose name was Bobby. He didn't care much about anything. He drank all of his life. I was 30, Bobby was probably 50. Bobby would be at Harry's, and I got to know him a little bit. What I didn't know, because I had not been there very long, is that his wife and two grown daughters went to the church that I pastored. How about that? Out of all those 12 people I tell you that I pastored, two of them, three of them, belonged to him. But anyway, he had poked fun at me. He knew I was in seminary. He'd say, you're going to go get educated so you can preach? And I'd say, well, Bobby, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know. There was something about Bobby that kept me talking to him. He had had a hard life. I know that he was on several different medicines, and he was. I knew he had demons. Yet as time went by, I'd ask him, I'd say, Bobby, you going to be at church Sunday after I got to know that Paulette and the girls was his wife and kids? 
You're going to be at church on Sunday, and only as you can talk, not in church or not around women, he explained to me why that he wouldn't be in church. And I understand, I understood the language real well, Jim. I mean, you know. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to church. I don't even like people who do go to church. And I thought, well, okay. After visiting with Bobby, I'd go and visit with other folks. And if I had to go to seminary, I'd leave and go to seminary. Here he was, smack dab, living in the middle of the land of milk and honey. Those folks over there don't even know what their land is worth because they never sell it. It's handed down from generation to generation. He could care less about anybody. And he really liked it that no one cared anything about him. He really did. Just he wanted to be alone. He was a bitter, bitter human being. Now, now, keep in mind, in this little town, you had your haves and your have-nots. There was no middle. There, there was no middle ground there. I find myself sitting where he was sitting at, at, at Harry's Cafe, and it was such a sad situation, but the curious thing about it is our relationship developed. I can remember seeing people come in to the cafe, and they might nod or give it to Ed or, or something. They never once came over and sat down by us. I thought, do they not like me that good? Or, you know, but it wasn't me, it was Bobby, I think. I had been to school all day long on a Wednesday. I went from 8 o'clock to 8.30. Spent the night in Memphis. Get up, go back to class from 8 to 4.30 the next day. That was my seminary schedule. Then come home. It was about 6 o'clock, and this was before cell phones. I got in the house, and a minute or two, the parsonage there. The phone was ringing, and it was Paulette. She was screaming to the top of her lungs. Tommy, get out here. He has a gun and he's going to kill me. I thought, man, call the law. I didn't want to get shot. Call him, you know, call him me. But she called me and did the law. But on my way out the door, I'm like this, Charlize, call the law. <laughs> you know. Well, that's a sensible thing to do, isn't it? You know, what are you calling your preacher for? But, but anyway, anyway, when I got out there, Pine Lake, Walked in their house, blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. Bobby had shot himself. It went from here to here. Here to here. Went in here, came out here. Paulette had called the ambulance. Charlize had called the law. And there I am. They took Bobby to Newport Harris Hospital. Some of you may know about Newport Harris Hospital. And back then, I, I don't know how that I was back there, but I was back there. They saw him up. He was awake, talking so bad, if, you can, if any of y'all here can imagine this, that it bothered me. And so I told, I told Bobby, I said, Bobby, shut your filthy mouth. And he sort of looked up at me. They had him pretty drugged up. They, he looked up at me and shut up. 
and shut up. I continued to be his friend. Nobody else wanted to be around him. And I'm not always, and I'm not sitting here telling y'all I wanted to be around him all the time either. But I continued to be his friend. And he wasn't out screaming and hollering and acting crazy and all that. But what he was, he was chained to darkness as much as the, the garrison demoniac was. Every time that I would talk to him, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't pushy. I've been told to shut up before when I'm uh, talking to the Lord, and I do. I had a man one time to tell me, Tommy, I've, I've heard enough. And that's enough. I mean, if, because someone cared enough about me to say, hey, I've heard all about Jesus that I want to hear. Then shut your mouth and go on. He never told me that. Bobby never, ever said, Tommy, I've heard enough. Not one time. We were sitting at Harry's, and he said, I'm not sure how God could love someone like me that you talk about. And he started to tell me all the things that he had done. I told him, I said, you don't have to tell me. You can tell God. God knows anyway. But you can just go over and kind of jog his memory and tell him that you haven't forgotten. You don't have to tell me. And as he sat there and told me some things, I thought, man, I don't know if I'd have told that or not. But, but anyway, anyway, he purged his soul that day. All the demons of his past. And believe you me, if there was ever legion, meaning many, Bobby had them. I don't know, it was two or three hours later. He had answered himself and he asked me, he said, Tommy, do you really think that Jesus can, can love someone like me? Can help someone like me? I said, look at me. Look at me. Look about the woman. Look at the woman that was caught in adultery, Bobby, that he didn't know anything about. He knew absolutely nothing about the Bible. I said, or there was this thief on the cross. And Jesus told him, hey, bud, today you're going to be with me in paradise. I said, what do you think? You think God's big enough to handle that? And he spoke three words that I'll never forget. He told me, he said, Tommy, I want Jesus. Bobby accepted God's grace in Jesus Christ and was baptized. Boom. A font that looks just like that one. Join the church for the next four years. He didn't miss church. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, a lot of times we get mixed up in thinking that all the folks in church are Christian and all that. But y'all understand what I'm saying. He professed his faith, was baptized, and kept his vows. That's what he was doing. He allowed Christ to fill that hole in his heart to exercise the demons of his life. And four years later, when Bobby died, I buried a Christian. How about that? How about that? More than one change, of dro uh, change dropped the day that, that Bobby said, I want Jesus. He was healed. He was changed. Broken lives were healed. 
Broken chains fell to the ground. His wife was ecstatic. His grown daughters were so thankful. You could see a difference in Bobby. He, he said about where Eldon is, uh, back, back there, sort of to my, to my life. Hey, buddy, uh, right, right back there. And, and always, always had that head up, you know. You could see a difference in him. Why? Because God is in the reclaiming business. There's no trash with God. No damaged goods with God. Jesus helped Bobby. Jesus helped Bobby change the legacy that he left behind. On the cross, Jesus brought the, broke the strang, stranglehold of sin and death that it has over us. Through the cross and the empty tomb, Jesus won forgiveness of our sins. He has redeemed us. He has claimed and reclaimed us as his own. He made us new. Jesus gives us a fresh start. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us when we're tempted. I don't know what chain is holding you today. I don't know what bondage that you feel your life under. I don't know what brokenness that there is in your life. But I know the one who does. He's the same one who can bring healing and set you free. You may not be able to choose the legacy that you live with, but Jesus can help you choose the legacy you leave. And all you have to do is to cry out like Bobby. I want Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen.